Welcome to church. How many of you are excited to be here? Make some noise. Woo! I want to send my love to Lancaster and everyone in Lithopolis. Man, I am fired up. Woo! I've been drinking some coffee this morning. You ought to know something about your pastor. He don't ever drink coffee. How many of you love coffee? Raise your hands. Come on. Oh, my gosh. That's almost all of you. Man, how many of you are addicts? Raise your hand. We're just going to have AA today in church. Yeah. You know what? I, I found out something. I'm not a big coffee drinker. Uh, in fact, I, I don't remember the last time I had coffee till this morning. And uh, I'm a little fired up. Woo! There's one person that doesn't need coffee in this world. It is me. And uh, I've been drinking it. And uh, I know some people have been questioning that, so I let them taste it. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're drinking some coffee today. Here's what I have discovered about people that are coffee drinkers. They love it. I found this. People are passionate about their coffee. People like, all I do is preach coffee. And, man, it'll be the rowdiest crowd ever in church. Amen, preach it. People, love, they love their coffee. People are crazy about coffee, man. And here's what I discovered, and if you're a coffee person, because they tell me this, right? If you're not a coffee drinker, you won't get this. But a true coffee drinker will tell you that not all coffees are created equal. Amen? Come on, am I preaching today? Yeah, talk to me today. You're alive. They're not the same. I'm talking about people that are truly passionate about their coffee. Like, they'll tell you there's some good coffee and there's some bad coffee. Right? In fact, I don't know what's your flavor. I don't know what's your favorite. But, but I want you to do me a favor in a moment. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to shout out loud your favorite brand of coffee. Now, it could be McDonald's. It's cheap, right? But, hey, it could be Dunkin' Donuts. Some of y'all love your Dunkin'. I go there for donuts, not coffee. Right? It, it could be Doss Coffee House. Hello. Come on, that stuff is good. Right? Or if you're a basic white girl, it could be Starbucks. Whatever. On the count of three, your favorite coffee. Yeah, come on, Lancaster, you're going to do it too, out loud on, for those around you. One, two, three. Woo, okay, we got, some, we got some Dunkin' Donuts lovers down here. Wow, man. People are passionate about their coffee. I found that out. Now, I'm not really a coffee drinker, and you can probably tell by how jittery I am. We'll get through this sermon in 15 minutes today. I hope you can understand it. I did. I, I found out to an outsider that doesn't really drink coffee, here's what I discovered, right? Um, an outsider would say, it's all the same. To somebody who doesn't drink coffee, like for myself, I don't care where you get it from. Like, it's coffee. In fact, I, I got to do some things to my coffee to drink it. I don't know about any of you, but I, I like my coffee like my wife. Hot and sweet. That's how, hello, babe. She don't like this. I'll back up. I'm going to be in trouble. Let me take a drink. Hold on. That's sweet. That's sweet. And, uh, but, but I found this because, like, to an outsider, it, it all tastes the same. It's, it's just coffee. I don't know. It's coffee, coffee. But to somebody who's passionate about coffee, whew, man, they'll tell you it is not all the same. Now, here's what I, I've also discovered. There are some crazy similarities between coffee and religion. Some of you go, really? Yeah. There are some similarities between coffee and religion. Some of you go, I thought it was Kool-Aid and religion. No, 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 no. 
I said, coffee and religion. Like, have you ever noticed it feels like coffee and church go together? Right? How many of y'all had coffee this morning? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, some, there, there's this connection between coffee and church. I don't really get it. I'm not a coffee drinker. But, but to some of y'all, it's so important, the coffee that they have at church. And it's sad because I've even met some people that will pick their church based on the coffee. You should not choose your church based on the coffee. Can I just say that? Right? Do not do that. That is shallow. Some people are like, well, they got a cafe, and they got lattes, and they got mochas, and they got that. I'm going over there. Listen, there are better things served at church than coffee. That's the way I feel about it. Okay? There's some similarities. Uh, Jesus likes his church like his coffee. Hot or iced, but not lukewarm. Hello, that's for all the Christians that know what I'm talking about. It's an inside joke, Christian joke. I found that um, some people like their sermon like their coffee. Someone is strong. Give it to me, Pastor. Get all up my business. Come on, wake me up with a sermon. And then there's some that like it weak and watered down. Don't mess with me. I just want to, you know what I mean? Let's just talk about weeks. Yeah, I found there's these similarities between coffee and, and religion. It's interesting. Now, now, if you're a coffee drinker, you know that, that there are so many different nuances and they're, they're different. But here's what I've discovered. If you're someone who is not passionate about faith, you're not passionate about a religion, you're not even sure. Maybe you're a, a, an occasional coffee drinker. You're an occasional religion. You occasionally go to church. You occasionally, you know, get an experience and talk about beliefs. But for the most part, you're like me. You don't, when it comes to coffee, you're like just a little bit dabble in it here and there. To you, all religions might be the same. Well, it's the same. It's just religion. It serves the same function in society as any other religion. And I found that some people like that will even put all religions into a single category on its own. It's like, hey, there's life, there's this, and then there's religion. And so we just put that over here as a separate box. And come on, aren't they all basically the same thing and do the same thing And for people? And, and they, they kind of miss the, the, the differences. Can I just tell you something? But to those who are passionate about what they believe and they're passionate about their faith, here's what you, they'll tell you. They're very different. They're not the same thing. Okay, understand that. Now, now last week, as we kicked off the series Coexist, uh, I shared with you why I chose to follow Jesus. And, and I didn't just choose to follow Jesus. You know, I didn't just give you a bunch of apologetic reasons. I didn't talk about historical things. I didn't talk, you know, about, you know, just all the evidences. And, and I, I, didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I shared with you something personal that it was my encounter or experience with an authentic faith that shaped who I am. That's what my experience was. But I also want you to know I've also investigated religions. I've also investigated the differences in faiths. I've also investigated Christianity. Because some people who are skeptical will say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think a lot of people believe because their parents told them. I think a lot of people believe because their grandparents took them to church. You went to Sunday school and you're young and you're impressionable and you just believe what people tell you. I get all that. But if we're all honest here today, the moment you grow up, we all go through this stage of life 
where you start to question everything you've been told. Isn't that right? Parents, you've seen that maybe with your kids. We will go through a stage of life, all of us, some of you might be in that place. Questioning everything. Oh, I don't know if I believe that. I know I've been told that, but that doesn't seem to line up with my experiences. So we begin to question, and here's the thing. I have investigated some of you. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you come to church because you're looking. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you came to the perfect series as we're talking about it. And so today, I want to tell you what I've experienced and what I've seen and what I've investigated. And the truth is this. Christianity, to me, is incredibly different than all the other world religions. They're not the same. I know if you're not a faith person, if you're not a religious person, you're going to just say it's just coffee. What difference does it make? But I'm here to tell you there's a huge, huge difference. And today, what I want to do is I want to share what I believe are some of the most fundamental differences between Christianity and all the other religions in the world. Now listen, I'm not saying it to put down any other religion. I'm not saying I'm not doing that. What I'm trying to show you is they're not all the same. There are some huge, huge differences. So it's important. If you're, if you're on a journey where you're going, I'm just curious, I'm investigating, I'm not sure, then this is going to be very helpful for you. If you're someone who says you're a Christ follower, then I hope that today's message just inspires you. I hope it encourages you when it comes to your faith. And so I want to share with you three things. Are you ready for them? You're going to want to maybe write these down. Take a picture of them. You're going to want to process them this week, okay? First one is this. Every other religion teaches me to work my way to God. Every other religion teaches me to work my way to God. Now, here's the thing. Um, We all have a problem. We all have a problem where we've all screwed up at some point in life. We've all messed up. I don't need to convince you of it. You don't need to convince me of it. Because I felt guilt for doing things I shouldn't have done. I felt shame. I've, I've created problems in my life. I've internally struggled. and felt we, we all have that, okay? I don't have to convince you. We've got this issue. And, and, and because we've messed up, most of us are trying to make it up. I messed up. I got to make it up. I want to try to get And so there's this... There's this idea that comes from many, if not most of the world religions, is that you have got to work it out. You have got to, like, in order to please God, I've got to work and I've got to somehow make up for all the bad things, all the wrong things I've done. And here's one of the primary things that people believe about religion. Is that basically religion teaches us how to be a better person. I will say we get most of our morals and values in our culture from religions. That's where it comes from. So when you look at it, you can say, well, religion is to teach us to be better. It's for God, for each other. And that sounds good. It does. It does. In fact, as you explore many of the world religions, you will discover that it's the primary emphasis of how to bridge the gap between us and our maker. Like, for example, Buddhism. If you'll study Buddhism, which is a polytheistic religion, Okay, which means many gods. Um, If you study it, what you'll discover is that in order to get to God, in order to connect your spirit to God, you have to reach a stage or a place of enlightenment where you can ultimately experience what they uh, refer to as nirvana. Okay, enlightenment. Now listen, the original Buddha 
who kind of created this, how do you get there, created an eightfold path. You can study this. There's an eightfold path, which basically describes eight different things that you need to do the right way in order to get to that place of enlightenment. Self-actualization, self-process. You got to get there. You got to say the right things, do the right things, think the right things, have the right incentives or motives, the right thoughts. Go look up eightfold things. And if you do the right things, only when you reach that place where you finally, you arrived, can your spirit connect with God. You got to do there and you got to get there. Okay, that's Buddhism. Hinduism, it's similar, but it is a little bit different. In Hinduism, what you'll find is that people are stuck into a cycle of reincarnation until they get it right. This, this is Hinduism. So, so, you know, if you don't get it right in this life form, you come back as another life form. And the ultimate goal in order to arrive, to reconnect with your spirit, with God, is that you, in order to break this cycle, you have to get rid of bad karma. You ever heard of that word? Bad karma from doing bad things. Bad karma will get you. And so the way you break that cycle is you learn through self-devotion how to please a God because they have multiple gods. If you can finally get it right, you can break the cycle and finally reconnect your spirit with God. This is Hinduism. Okay. Now how about Islam? Islam is different. Islam is monotheistic. You all know what that means? Mono, one. One God. They believe in one God. Unlike some of the other religions, Judaism, monotheistic, one God. Christianity, one God, okay? And so here's the thing about Islam that's a little bit different. Islam believes you have to not only believe in God, Allah, but you also have to obey Allah and his messenger sufficiently enough to get to heaven with God. And the way you do that is that there are many different things you have to do. Every day, you've got to recite certain prayers many times, facing a certain direction. Maybe you've seen that before, or if you know somebody who's a Muslim. Right? You've got a certain fast, certain pilgrimages, certain things that you have to do. And if you do more good things, you're a better person, right? Good, that outweigh the bad things, then maybe you can reach heaven with God. Now, we'll say that in Islam, there is one way to assure yourself uh, a place in heaven, and that is through martyrdom. That if you die for the faith, and this is why you see an extremist and terrorist, a lot of them that with an extreme view, have no problem killing non-believers in suicide because they believe that's the one way for sure to get to God. There's, there's all these different things. As you study different world religions, you're going to find that they all have one thing in common. And that is that you have to work your way to God. Now, listen. Here's where Christianity is different. Very different. Okay? Christians, here's what Christians believe. Christians believe that the bar was set so high in order to be with God, who is perfect, you also have to be perfect. Christians believe this. Like, you got to be perfect. And most of us, if not all of us, would go, I'm out. That don't work for me. Right? And so here's our struggle. If you're a Christ follower, here's the struggle. If I can work my way, how much good do I have to do to make up for the bad? And maybe you see yourself and go, I'm basically a good person. I don't do a lot of bad things. 
But, but reality is this, right? We don't just make a few mistakes. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest today at church. We're in church. We don't just make a few mistakes. We don't just, well, I, I, last year I had about three, four kind of went off the rails, you know, just a few bad, but man, I did all these good things, and I, you know, helped this old lady across the street, and you know, I, I did all these things. Let's be honest, the problem is, and here's what Christians recognize, we have a perpetual sin problem. Not every once in a while, so maybe I'll make it up. If we take an honest look at ourselves, which I hope you do, what you discover is that I've got an ongoing, ever-present struggle with sin constantly like all the time let's be honest like we as humans as people in general like we're jealous all the time right like we're proud we're deceptive we're hateful we're hurtful I mean come on let's be honest these are things we all wrestle with I mean we say, well I'm basically a good person here's the thing all of us know this and, and I'll just say it I we can't even go one day without having an ill thought saying something that's bad, hurtful. Let's be honest, you can't even go one day. It's constant. Come on, we're honest. Like, I struggle with it. We all do, right? And here's where Christianity differs. Because we say, well, I got to work. I say, I can't. I don't think I can get there. I don't think I could. But here's the beautiful message of Christianity. Paul said it, this guy, the apostle, who wrote this down in Ephesians 2. Let me read it to you. He said this in 2 verse 8 and 9. For it is by what? Everyone say it out loud. By grace. We learned about grace Easter if you were here. Getting something you don't deserve. It is by grace that you have been saved through doing all kinds of good things. Through becoming a better version of you. Through not lying as much. Through going to church a certain number of times a year. Through being a better spouse, through what? No, no, that's not what Paul said. He said, for it is by grace that you have been saved through what? Everybody say it out loud. Through faith. Through faith. Now, this is crazy. And he says, and this is not from yourselves. Wait, wait, I got to figure out. I got to get there. No, 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 no. He says it's a gift. Here's the thing about a gift. You can't earn a gift. Otherwise, it's not a gift. You can't earn it. He says it's a gift from God, not by what? Not by works. It's a gift from God, but it's, it's not by working it so that no one can boast. And here's where Christianity is completely different from all the other world religions that would say, you do this, you become this, you figure this out, you self-process, you eventually get there. And Christians understand, no, that's not how it works. I can't get there. I can't bridge the gap. And so God had to do it for me. And here's the thing about this thought, this process, this theology, however you want to say it, that makes no sense at all. This makes no sense at all. We messed up. But somehow God has to fix it. it. This makes no sense, right? Because Christians would say, I screwed up, but the responsibility is God's. Now that, that doesn't fly with us. Because when we mess up, we got to make it up. When we screw up, I'm going to figure it out. I'll get there. And it doesn't make sense. It's not logical to us. But how many of you know that the things that Jesus said often did not make sense? They were paradoxical because in the kingdom of heaven and what God understands about us is we cannot work to him. 
We can't get there. And here's the beautiful thing about Christianity. I love this. I love this. We cannot work there to get to him, but he came to, for us, and he did the work for us. We can't work it. He worked out for us, and here's how he did. He worked it out on the cross. Jesus did. Do you know that it was on a cross where Jesus paid the penalty and the payment for all the wrong things that you and I have done in our lives? It was put upon him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It was put upon him. And when Jesus was on the cross and right before he breathed his last and gave his spirit up to his Father in heaven, do you know what he said? He he said, In English, three little words. He said, it is finished. What's he talking about? The work. The work was done. So this is where Christianity is different. Don't don't just put all religions together. Hey, they're just coffee. They're not all just coffee. Every other religion says you work, you you become, you get there. Christianity says, no, I know you're never going to get there. I'll come and do the work for you. That's cool, though. I like that. I'll take that any day of the week. All right, let me give you a second one today. If you're taking notes, this is a little bit longer, but it's super important. Every other religion focuses on rules to follow rather than a relationship with the Father. Let me say it again. Every other religion focuses on rules to follow rather than a relationship with the Father. Now, let me just first say this. Rules are not a bad thing. Okay, rules aren't a bad thing. I know sometimes we feel like they are. But if we have a society without rules, it's a mess. It's anarchy. Okay? Rules, they're they're not a bad thing, but we've seen them used in a bad way. Let's be honest, especially in religion. I think at its very best, rules are, are a way of showing us how to please God. At their very worst... Rules have been used to control and to manipulate people. Let's be honest, okay? Just, and because of that, I think there's a lot of people, and some of you today come to church because you're fascinated by the series and what we're talking about, and, and you come and you say, you know what? See, I'm skeptical about religion, and here's why. Because there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of rules. I, I think the reason why a lot of people in our society today struggle with religion is because people often equate religion with rules, don't they? Like, like maybe your experience was you're younger as someone took you to church, you heard a preacher preach, or you got a grandma who was like a real Bible-thumping, believing, you know, Christian, and, you know, and all you ever heard when you went to church was, you shouldn't do that, or if it's King James, thou shalt not, thou shalt not say this, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not drink this, and you shouldn't wear this, and you can't have those earrings, and you can't get tattoos, and you can't watch those kind of movies, and you can't drink those kind of drinks, and you can't, and you can't, and you can't, and you can't. And so maybe some of you, you tried church once, and you went, I don't want that. I'm out. A lot lot of times people equate religion with rules. And I understand that because honestly, every religion has a system of rules to teach morals and values. Every single one. I get it. I get it. Here's the problem when you have religion that focuses on following the rules. Okay? The problem is, is that In the end, what rules do is they tend to create fear. Right? Because I'm afraid that if I mess up, he's going to get me. If I screw up, karma's 
going to come back and get me. And we all know karma's, yes. So I say it, you thought it. Go back to my first point, you know, like. And, and, and so, you know, we, we struggle because we're afraid, uh, you know, that if we mess up, God's going to smite thee and something bad's going to happen. Have you ever maybe invited someone to church? I have. And they always go, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't go to church. You don't want me to go to your church. Because if I go to church, whew, lightning going to strike. It's going to go up in flames. You ever heard someone say that? What is that? It's fear that because of what they've done, how they've lived their life, that I'm not good enough and I don't follow all the rules, he's going to get me. And so what, what, what religion with rules, focusing on following rules does, is it creates a fear of God that a lot of people have. And they say, you know what, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to do that. Here's, here, here's what I want you to understand. Christianity, that is not the case. That's not the focus. That's not the case. Christianity is not about rules. It's about a relationship. Now, here's the difference. Here's the difference. And I know what some of you are thinking, because there's some of you that are, you're, you're a thinker. And you're already skeptical. And you go, whoa, 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 pastor. Come on, let's be honest. When you think about Christianity, there are a lot of rules. A lot of rules. Come on, I've read some of the Bible. I got into that book you got called Leviticus. Woo, I got right back out of it. Hello, I, I want nothing to do with that. You want, don't be talking about other religions and rules and Christianity because we all know there's a bunch of rules in Christianity. Can I, can I say something? Here's the thing. If you're that coffee drinker that drinks like me like once every year or two, okay, you think they're all the same? And if that's your view, if you've just, in other words, you just come to church a couple times in your life or a couple times a year, that's your narrative of Christianity, then I just want to say this in a very loving way. You don't have the whole narrative of Christianity. You don't have the whole picture. Because if you really understand or trace back Christianity from the beginning, you see, in the beginning, God created mankind. There's a story and a narrative we get from Genesis in the first couple chapters. That God created the first man, the first woman. We call them Adam and Eve. You might go, I don't believe in an Adam and Eve. That's fine, that's fine. At some point there had to be, if there's a God, there had to be a start somewhere. Okay? That God created mankind. And when God created them, he put them into this garden. It was called the Garden of Pleasure. That's what Eden means, a garden of pleasure. And when we think about pleasure, we think, oh, bad thing, bad things. No, no, no. God put them in a garden of pleasure in the beginning. And here's what God said to them. Everything you see, I have made it for you. It's yours. Enjoy it. You like peaches? We got peaches. You like bananas? I got bananas for days. You like strawberries? They're growing up. You got this? You got to grow He said, enjoy it all. But listen, there is just one rule. Do you know there was just one rule originally with God and mankind? One rule. You say, ah, got to follow the rules. There's one rule where God told the first man and the first woman. He said, you can have all of it except for the one tree that's in the middle of the garden. He said, if you touch of it and eat of it, you will die. And now listen, the ultimate reason why God had this one rule for this one tree was to protect us. 
He's not trying to say, you can't enjoy everything I've made, and oh, God's about rules. No, 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 no. He was not. God said, you have everything. Stay away from the one, because if you eat that one, it's going to mess you up. And so he was trying to protect us. He was giving us a free will. He's giving us the option. He says, stay away from Now, if you know about this one tree, it's kind of unique. This tree was called the tree of the knowledge, if you know it, say it with me, of good and evil. There's something real significant that God was trying to do with this one rule. You see, God knew that if mankind tasted the fruit, if mankind tasted from this one tree, listen, he would get a taste of evil. If he got a taste of evil, it would change everything. When that first man, that first woman, when they ate of that fruit, when they disobeyed the one rule of God, guess what happened? It opened up Pandora's box. And now they had a taste for evil. They had the knowledge of good and evil. And if you follow the narrative from there, every evil thing we have transpired from that moment. Go one chapter after their story, Genesis 4, murder. Keep following it. And people were wicked. In fact, the world got so bad, God said, i got to destroy it and try to start over with Noah and his family. But the problem is there's that perpetual sin, and it just, that knowledge was passed down. And so all of a sudden, it opened up this big thing where evil, everybody's doing evil. Listen, in the end, here's what we discover. The one rule about that one tree was designed to keep us from needing all the other rules. We don't need other rules if we followed God's plan, the one tree. In fact, it had gotten so bad, if you know the history and you follow that narrative, it got so bad that God had to, God had to initiate some more rules or commandments now, this, this wasn't God's heart initially. This is what I want you to understand. This was God trying to address a serious evil problem amongst mankind. And so you know maybe the narrative where God takes this guy Moses and a group of people to a mountain. And God gives Moses the what? The Ten Commandments. You know the Ten Commandments. They're not bad. In fact, from the Ten Commandments and really what God had given Moses is where we get many of our foundation and societal laws and rules today in our country and around the world. God's saying, look, I'm tired. You guys are doing evil stuff to each other. Stop murdering. Stop stealing from other people. Don't covet your neighbor and your neighbor's wife and what they have. Come on. And, and so God had to create some rules. Here's why. Because society was a mess. We have anarchy. People are doing whatever they want, and sin is running rampant. And because of that evil that was unleashed, we have wars, and we have abuse, and we have deception, and we have pain, and we have manipulation, and we've got all kinds of evil. And so God tried to put it all back together with some rules and boundaries. But let me say this. This was not God's plan from the beginning. This is not the focus of Christianity. You know how we know that? Because of Jesus. So Jesus, he, he showed up. Jesus came, he began to shake things up, especially in the Jewish culture that he was in. Do you know what started his Ten Commandments and God gave these other rules because they're just a mess? And here's what man has done, and this has happened in religion, and it's happened in Christianity, is that when man gets involved, mankind likes to add rules. Woo, you can't wear shorts that short. They gotta be down to the knees, cover the elbows. 
Don't watch those. You can't drink that. Okay, man started creating all these rules. And so when Jesus showed up, guess what? In the Jewish culture, they had at that time about 613 laws. Six, can you imagine somebody invited you to church and they got posted out in the foyer, the 613 rules for joining the church and being part of it? Say, look, I know that's a lot to memorize. Hey, today we'll email it to you. You can just go over it. We got an app for that. You could just, you can just scroll through it, read maybe a rule or two every day. You get through them in a year. You know, you just come back around. Can you imagine that? Like, you'd be like, I'm, no way, I'm done. Like, I could never keep all of those. And so Jesus shows up, and, and Jesus kind of began to break this thing where it's rules and rules. By the way, do you know that the primary reason I believe that the religious, I'm talking about religious leaders, hated Jesus is because he didn't follow all their rules. He didn't follow all their rules. He followed God, his father, but he didn't follow those rules. And one time, Jesus was asked by a religious uh, lawyer, teacher of the law. Somebody, they got the rules down. They're trying to trap him and test him. Hey, Jesus, what do you think is important in the law? What rule do you think? Like, come on, what's the most important rule? And I want to read to you what Jesus said in response in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. All of these verses are important. Jesus replied, he said, love. He didn't start out, thou shalt not. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and with all of your mind. Love God. And he said, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you an extra one. Here's a bonus. You didn't even ask for it. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here, don't miss verse 40. This is significant. He said this. All of the law... And the prophets hang on these two commandments. What about all the laws and all the rules? No, 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 no. You're focused on the wrong thing. You don't focus on the rules. You focus on a relationship with the Father. Love God. Have a love for God that is real, that is authentic. And Jesus came and showed us that it is possible to have a relationship with the Father all the time. His disciples would see him doing stuff and talking. It's like, who are you talking to? It's like, I'm praying. It's like, what? Show us how to do this. And you know what Jesus taught him? He said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Don't I need a priest and don't I need, no, no, no. You can have a relationship with the Father. And when you have a relationship with God, it changes everything. It says love God and love people. By the way, some of you go, that just seems too simple. I, I just want to say this. If you would commit yourself, you say, I don't know about religion, I don't know about rules. If you would commit yourself to simply loving God with everything you have, I'm going to just, I'm going to throw myself into that. And loving other people like you love yourself, you're good. Come on now. Well, what about don't watch and don't wear and don't drink and don't this and don't that? And, and, and I know what someone would say, wait a minute, I've read the New Testament, and they got some rules. There's some rules in the New Testament? Come on. It's not just an Old Testament, Jewish thing. It's a, you know, there's rules in the New Testament. Yes, listen, but that's not the focus. And, and like I said, rules aren't a bad thing. In fact, 
how many of you parents have some rules at your house? Right? But you operate your rules from the relationship. You operate from the relationship. So listen, young people, when your parents say, hey, you got to be in by 10 p.m. And I'm just like, oh, rules. My parents just I don't get it. They're so mean. I'm going to be in by 10 o'clock. But see, here's what your parents know. They know that if you don't come in by 10 o'clock, they understand this one truth that nothing good happens after 10 p.m. And so when they say that, they say it out of love to protect you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Doesn't mean there's no rule, but if you focus on a relation, on an authentic relationship, listen, you're good. You will. Out of that, you will honor God and you will love other people. So that's, that's a big one. It's a big difference. Let me give you the third and final one. And I think it's the most significant. No other religion has an empty grave. No other religion has an, listen, and I think this might be the most significant difference. And I, and I, wanna, I want you to understand this. Every world religion, every belief system we have today got started by some leader. Everyone. Islam, Buddhism, pick one. Mormonism, every single religious system belief got started by some leader somewhere that said, this is the way, follow me. Every religious leader, I've got the truth, this is it. And as you investigate the leader, the founder of religious movements, of faith systems, you're going to discover they are not the same. They are not the same. As you study about Islam, you will learn about a guy named Muhammad. Lived in late, late uh, 500s, early 600s. You're going to learn about Muhammad. Muhammad who started this. And here's what you'll discover about almost all these religions that got started at some point by these leaders. Most of these leaders had some kind of encounter with a spiritual being that enlightened them. And that was the truth. This is the case with Muhammad. Muhammad said he was visited over and over by the angel Gabriel who would illuminate to him this truth, the final truth, about God the creator. And from that dictated the Koran, and, and many people began to follow him. This is, this is how Islam got started. He had an encounter. Was anybody else? No, he had an encounter with an angel. But he was just a man, and he would tell you that. I'm just a prophet. I'm the final prophet. I'm a prophet. Okay? You, you can look at the Buddha. Now, that's not just like a statue if you don't know anything about it. There was a leader who was known as the first Buddha, okay, of that faith and religion. It was a prince that at one point was so bothered by the evil in the world that he sat down almost kind of resisting to get up and saying, until I know the truth about, about the universe, I'm not moving, and said that over several days was given a revelation spiritually. Given a revelation of what you're supposed to do to get to God, and that came the eightfold path. There was a leader that started it. Joseph Smith, some of you know the founder of Mormons, Mormonism. Joseph Smith was visited by an angel. That is an offshoot of Christianity. It is not the same. Visited by an angel who told him where secret gold plates were buried, and from those gold plates came the Book of Mormon. Visited by an angel, David Koresh, leader of a cult, 
Maybe you know about what happened at Waco, Texas. Before that, said he was visited by an angel who told him certain things. You've got the Sikhs, right? The Sikhs have got started by a guru named Nanak. He was the first one. There's always a first one, someone who initiated it, someone who started it. All of them have a leader. Now listen, here's where it gets different. Because Jesus, when it comes, stands alone, different than all the other leaders. He's not the same. All these other leaders were men who came, men who were born, who said they had an experience, an enlightenment, and that this is the real truth, and then they died. They don't claim to be God. They're almost every single one of them. They're messengers, they're prophets, they're this, they're that. And this is where Jesus was different, where he stands alone. Jesus did not say that he came just as a messenger. To, I got a word for you. He claimed to be the word of God. Jesus did not just come and say, well, God gave me this revelation. Jesus said, I am the revelation of God. I came from heaven. He's not someone who just said, I had a moment. He said, from before birth I was I was there in the beginning I'm here at the end and everywhere in between listen there is no other leader that is like Jesus no one else who did the miracles that he did hundreds of them documented by people look it up Muhammad did not Buddha did not no other leader did all of these things no other leader listen said that listen I'm gonna die for you no other leader of religious system. They say, follow me, but they aren't saying, I came to die for you. No other leader. No other leader. No other leader said, I will be killed and I'm coming back. No other leader said, I came from heaven, I'm going to return to heaven, and I'm coming back for you. No other leader proclaimed those things. And here's the real truth. You can travel to where they laid Muhammad, and the grave is still occupied. You can travel to where they laid Buddha. The grave is still occupied. You can travel to where they laid Joseph Smith, and the grave is still occupied. You can travel to where they laid the first guru of the Sikhs, and the grave is still occupied. But if you travel to where they laid Jesus, Jesus, after he died on the cross, you're going to find an empty grave because he's not in there. He's gone. Don't tell me they're all the same because they're not the same. Matthew 28, and I'm closing. I love the way Matthew records it. said, he's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. They're not the same. Other religions, you got to work your way to God. We believe, no, we will never get there. So God came and did the work for other, us. Other religions, that, like other religions say, come on, you have got to follow the rules. And we understand Christianity is not about it. It's about following and uh, falling in love and having a relationship with the Father. And no other religion has a leader who claimed to come from God, who proved it through miracles, and who raised from the dead and said he's coming back. And we can experience his presence today. We know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling inside of us. I talked about it last week. I've seen miracles. God's power is still at work today in this world. And so because of all that, it's not the same. The world's apart because of that. That is why I believe in Jesus Christ and that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Come on, let's pray today. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, most for your grace. We don't deserve 
Listen, as we're praying here today, I just wonder if there's someone here in Lancaster that maybe, maybe you needed to hear this today. And I want you to understand something. If you think you got to clean your life up or one day I'm going to get on the path and one day I'm going to figure it out, you won't. We have a perpetual sin problem. I have it and you have it. And the only way that we can get right with God is through what Jesus already did. And so you receive it. For it is by grace that you are saved through faith. It's a gift from God. But like any gift, you got to receive it. you got to open your heart by faith. Proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And when you do that, he comes and he dwells in you. And he will change you. It's not about follow the rules. It's about a relationship with the Father through Jesus. And from that, he will change you. And I believe maybe there's some today that the reason why you're here was for this very moment. By faith, God has given you the faith to receive him. If that is you today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're here in Lancaster watching this online with me today. You say, Heavenly Father, I come to you as a sinner. I, I have a sin problem. And I want to say thank you for sending Jesus to do the work for me. I can't, I can't get there. Today I want to receive your grace. Today I put my faith in you. I don't have all my questions answered, but right now in this moment, I, I'm, I'm saying I want to follow you. I want a relationship with you, God. Show me who you are. Today in this moment, though, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in. I'm gonna, with the faith I have, I just say I surrender my life to you. Fill me now with your spirit and your life. Change me from this moment forward. We pray these things in the matchless name. There is no other name in heaven and on earth and beneath the earth that compares with the name of Jesus. And in his name we say amen. Come on, let's just give him praise today, man. Amen. Amen.